How many have star or how many have seen the movie um, at least one time back Back to the Future? Anybody seen the movie? Okay, yeah, it's most of us. Most of us seen the Back to the Future. Um, I love it. I love it because it, it talks about time travel and uh, like for like two seconds I wanted a DeLorean when I was younger, but like I don't think they exist anymore. I don't know. But I can remember be the the idea of traveling back in time and that being fascinating, which led to a conversation that I had with a buddy of mine. Who, who said, if you could travel back in time, like if you could get in the DeLorean and the flux capacitor was working, you could get up to 1.21 gigawatts and you could go 78 miles an hour. So I've seen the movie. And you could go back in time and you could see three things. I don't know why he said three, but he said three things in the Bible, like three biblical events. What would you go see? And uh, the first two were easy. Like the third one, I still don't know. I, I don't know what the third one would be because there's so many things to choose from. Um, the first one would be the resurrection. Like, I, I would love to just be there and see it because, I mean, nobody else was there to see it because they all thought Jesus was dead. And, like, that's the whole reason we're even here today is because a guy that was dead came alive. Um, that would be pretty cool to see because I've never seen one of those ever, 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 ever. Um, and then I'm not sure what the third event, but the second event I would love to see. This is as I would love to go back in time and see with my own eyes. What we're going to talk about today in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, where the Holy Spirit um, came into the early church to indwell every single believer, and everything for the church at that point changed, and we're still affected by that change today. In fact, we're starting a brand new series today called Ghost Stories, where we're going to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And we're going to talk about it in a way that's, that's not weird. And I've been working 30 years on trying to teach on something like this where it's not weird. In fact, we're going to have a lot of fun. And I think a lot of people are going to get encouraged and filled with hope um, during this series. Because, because, because. When, growing up, uh, when my mom took me to church, we went to a Wesleyan church. Now, nothing wrong with a Wesleyan church. It's just they didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit. He was like your crazy Uncle Eddie. He showed up at Christmas. He didn't say anything. If he did some, say something, you're like, <laughs> and then he left, and you didn't have to see him again until Christmas, like crazy Uncle Eddie. Like he's, the whole, he's, he's there, but let's not talk about him. And from a Wesleyan church, I transitioned to a hyper-charismatic church, not a charismatic church, a hyper-charismatic church where everything was a demon, everything was a spirit, everybody had a tambourine and a flask of oil and a ram's horn. I mean, we, we went nuts. And so in that church, we didn't even talk about Jesus that much. It was like, thank you, Jesus, for the whole cross-resurrection thing. Sit on the sideline. We were going to talk about the Holy Spirit all the time. So I left that church. Um, and then I went to a Catholic church. That didn't last long because I was like, am I in an exercise class or am I in a church? Because stand, kneel, sit, stand, kneel, sit. What? And, and wine? They got wine? <laughs> anyway, so that didn't last. And I wound up at a Baptist church where, once again, we didn't talk that much about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit for a lot of people was scary. But God didn't give us the Holy Spirit to scare us. He gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us. And so that's what, that, that's what we're going to talk about today in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is the event where I would have just loved to have been there and seen this with my own eyes. The work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the early church. And what happened 2,000 years ago can happen today. What happened then can happen now. And, and what, what happened in this early church, what, the, what we're going to see that happened, it, it has so much practical implications to our life Today, So I wrote down, when I was studying for this particular message, I wrote down four things that I see that stand out significantly in this text. And so um, if you take notes, you can write these down. And if you don't take notes, 
You could write these down. Here we go. Number one, unity. Unity. Now, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here by saying that the church in America today, we're not known for our unity. Am I right? <laughs> we argue about stupid stuff. Uh, I was real young in ministry. I was a youth pastor. I had a friend who was a senior pastor at a church, and he asked me, hey, man, be in prayer for our business meeting Wednesday night. Um, it's got the potential to get a little crazy. Now, I didn't know what a business meeting was. Um, if you've never been to a traditional church, when they have a business meeting on Wednesday night, they don't actually talk about the church business. They talk about everybody else in the church's business, all right? So you're going to want to show up to one of those because if you don't show up, they're going to talk about you. So anyway, and in the form of a prayer request. So um, my buddy said, pray for us. The business meeting has a chance to get crazy. Well, I'm brand new to church world. I didn't know what that meant. And so I was like, well, sure, I'll pray for your business. I didn't know, even know what that was. So the next day, I'm hanging out with him on Thursday. Now, I didn't know this because... Back in the, we didn't have social media. Like, we, we had, like, carrier pigeons. That's it. I mean, we got a phone call, but, like, we didn't have social media. So the next day, we're hanging out, and I was like, oh, by the way, how'd your, be, how'd your business meeting go last night? He said, um, yeah, we had to call the cops. <laughs> oh, I thought that was code for, like, I, I didn't know what that was code for, but I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, what's that, what's that mean? He said, period means we dialed 911, and the police came. I said, well, like, I'm, I'm completely naive. I was like, well, was that like, so you get them there and you can, like, lead them to Christ? That would be kind of cool. Then you call the fire department and baptize them. Like, I think we got the whole thing worked out. He said, no, two deacons got in a fight at the soundboard over who was going to run the sound. I was like, in church? But, but that, that happens. Like, I've got a friend. I've got a friend whose dad was the senior pastor of a church on the stage Leading the business meeting, got on the front row, didn't like what he said, got up from the front row, walked up to the pastor before anybody could do anything, and slugged the pastor and knocked him on the floor. My buddy told me that. I, he said, what would you do if that happened at your church? I, I said, he, that, that would just be an unfortunate day for that person. Very unfortunate. He said, Jesus said to turn the other cheek. I said, I ain't that godly. Um, that, 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 <laughs> I'm not just being honest. But we're not known for our unity. In fact, most churches are known because we love to fight. And, and we've never been this divided in our society. I mean, my, politics, my God, I am so sick and tired of both sides. Isn't it funny how both sides talk about how much financial trouble America's in, but they spend millions of dollars trying to get you to hate another person? Isn't that a little bit hypocritical? Just those are, And by the way, I'm blaming both sides. Both sides need to be put in timeout. That's, that's, that's what I think. That's what I think. Because, because they're talking about all this, and, and the church isn't any better. We're not known for our unity. We're known about the things that we fight about. But what I find interesting on this day of Pentecost is Luke, who writes the book of Acts, is an ex so the book of Acts is an extension of, of Luke, the, the gospel. So it's like Luke part two. It's like the, the sequel or whatever. And in Acts, this is what Luke tells us about Acts chapter two, verse one through four. He said, on the day of Pentecost. Now, I want to pause here and point out something because um, m most of us are not Jewish, and so we wouldn't, we wouldn't notice what Luke is saying here, but this is a big deal because the day of Pentecost was a celebration. In fact, it still is a celebration that they celebrate in Israel till this day, like Jews all over the world celebrate the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was the day that they celebrated 
the law of Moses coming down from Mount Sinai to the children to the nation of Israel. So they were celebrating the law coming down on the day of Pentecost. Now the reason we're going to have to hold on, we're going to circle back at the end of the message as to why that's particularly important. But Luke tells us on the day of Pentecost, all of the believers were meeting together in one place. In other words, they were all unified. And one of the things I pray for our church here at Second Chance is, is, is that we would be unified, that we would be a unified church. You've heard me say it for weeks now. Um, I've said it several times. Satan does not fear a big church, but he does fear a unified church. Now, when I say unified, I don't, unity doesn't mean uniformity because none of us agree on everything. How many of y'all are married? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. It's not a confusing question. You know. You, you got that figured out. One guy just did this. <laughs> Sitting next to your wife too, dude. I saw that. Don't Raise your hand higher. For those of you that raise your hand and you're married, do you agree on everything with your spouse? No. <laughs> you had a disagreement on the way to church, didn't you? Because I could see it when you're walking in. This is what you do. You see me when I'm standing out there and you're like, <laughs> you know, we'll sit this when we get home. When you talk out of the side of your mouth to your spouse on the way to church, it's never good. No, nobody agrees. In fact, I heard somebody say this one time, and it's true. If two people on this planet agree about every single thing, then one of those people are useless. None of us agree on everything, which, is, which makes it unique leading a church because I've had this conversation with a couple people. Pastor P, I was uh, on your website the other day, and I didn't see a statement of doctrinal beliefs. Yep. Well, where's your statement of doctrinal beliefs? Oh, we ain't, we ain't got one. Don't you think that's important? Not really. I'm freaking some people out right now. <laughs> what, what about your core values? And we ain't, we ain't got any of those. <laughs> we don't. Well, I think the church needs a statement of doctrinal beliefs and core values. Well, I don't know. The early church, this church right here. They didn't have any doctrinal beliefs or core values, and within 350 years, with no social media, no radio, no television, they had reached half the known world with the gospel of Jesus because they took the command of Jesus to love one another seriously, and they just went out and did it. Now, I know, I know some people are like, but what about the doctrinal beliefs? Okay, so I'll give you some beliefs. I'll give you some beliefs. These are three things that we believe. If you're going to be a part of, of Second Chance, these are three things that we're going to believe. This is a, and, and listen, this is as deep as it gets. It, by the way, if you're looking for deep, you are in the wrong place. Yeah, <laughs> I have never been told I'm deep. All right, here we go. These are three things that we're going to believe. We're going to be unified around these three things. Number one, I messed up. Now, some of you are like, yes, you are messed up. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's like you, like all of us, we are messed up together. You are messed up. Nobody is here today, nobody is watching online, and the reason you came is like, listen, I am struggling with how I got to be so perfect. I don't know why I'm so perfect, but I'm the most perfect person I know, and how do I handle this perfection? My theme song is, oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror, because I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. I must be one heck of a man. I had to change that a little bit because I'm already going to catch hell for the hat. Oh, I said, oh, I'm out. Anyway, so 
I did so good the other services. But nobody, nobody's wrestling with that. In fact, every single person here knows that you're messed up. All of us. In fact, a friend of mine wrote this, and I wanted to share it because I thought it was fascinating. Oh, I got a text during the service. Um, I am preaching. Here it is. A friend of mine wrote this. And it talked about, he was talking about his condition, but I've held on to it. I think I, I think I first read this seven years ago, and it meant so much to me because this is true, not this is true about me, this is true for everybody in the room. I want to read this. I'm a mess. On my own, I am powerless over my own ego, and my life is unmanageable, and I need Jesus. Left to myself, I will waste my one and only life in stupid ways. I will damage and neglect relationships. I will make idols of my success and my reputation. I will use words, which I'm supposed to use for God, to deceive people. I will use people for my own advancement when I'm supposed to serve the church. I will serve myself instead of serving others, instead of serving you. Greed will rule my wallet. Resentments will fill my heart in a nanosecond. Pride will govern my choices. Selfishness will dominate my life. Left to myself, I will spend a pathetic existence trying to polish my outer image and hide so no one can see what an egocentric sinner I am on the inside. And if successful in this, I will go to my grave a respectable fraud. This is a safe place where it's okay to admit that you're messed up and that you need Jesus. These two things, we got to agree on these. That this is, these are non-negotiables. Like six-day creation versus million years, how God created the world, I don't care. I don't care. He did it. That's, I don't care how he did it. He did it. I don't care how you made the cake. Does the cake taste good? If the cake tastes good, I don't, don't tell me how you made it. I don't care. Trichotomy and dichotomy of the spirit, don't care. Transubstantiation of Christ, don't care. Uh, predestination versus free will, don't care. These two things, I messed up, I need Jesus. We can agree on those things, right? And, oh, and by the way, the third one, and this is the big deal, um, Jesus is alive. That's a big deal. In fact, the early church, Acts chapter 2, the reason they were gathered together was that Jesus was dead and came back to life. Had nothing to do with denominations, our doctrinal stances, our creeds, all, they were there because they followed a man named Jesus who was dead and came to life. These three things, is, this, is, this, is what, this is our church's doctrinal theological stance. This is, this is what we believe. I messed up, I need Jesus, and he's alive. I, th I think we can unify around those statements. Everything else, I've met people that want to argue with me in the, in the lobby. I want to argue, you know what, see Cole. He's our youth pastor now. He's just, he just talked to Cole. He's so likable. I love that guy. Number two, power. Power. The Holy Spirit not only provides unity, but the Holy Spirit provides power. Now, just think about this. They're all together in one place. Everybody kind of leaned in. Nobody knows. 
boom. I mean, it just happened. I was just trying to see if I could get somebody. Suddenly, suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And by the way, when this happened, the news did not interrupt, hypothetically, like a football game and ruin the first 10 minutes talking about put on a freaking bike helmet and go down to the basement because a tornado's coming. Hypothetically, that might have made me mad. This is my therapy session right here, this service, this service. And it filled the house where they were, they were sitting. This was power. When the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit shows up, it's always associated with power. Power. Now, when I talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, this is something that I was really like, how do you talk about this? Because sometimes when you talk about the whole power of the Holy Spirit, people get weird. People get weird. Like, oh, the power of the Holy Spirit caused me to do weird things. I mean, I, uh, maybe, but maybe you did that and blamed it on him. I'm just saying. I've, 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 I've just seen some stuff. But when I'm talking about power, I'm talking about there's a passage in the book of Judges. Now, the book of Judges is in the Old Testament, and it's about a group of men and women who led the nation of Israel before they got a king. And there's one very famous judge named Samson. If you're from a church background, you know about Samson. He went to the satanic salon and got the haircut from hell, and, and, and like it didn't go well for Samson. But there's a part about Samson's story that talks about the Holy Spirit that, and, and ties into power in a, an incredible way. And it confused me for years until I saw something. In fact, I've never taught on this, so I'm super excited about teaching on this because I just saw it for the first time. The Bible says this in Judges 14, verse 5 and 6. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. Now, I don't know where you are in your journey with Jesus your theological beliefs, but I think we could all agree that's a bad day. We live in Anderson. Nobody, nobody, nobody's going to leave here today going, um, Herbert, we got to go down to Target, but I'm scared to death that a lion's going to get me. Like, no, nobody's, got, nobody's got that going on. No, nobody's worried about a lion. In fact, we, we got first world problems. If this were written in first world language, it would say, as Samson and his parents were going down to Timna, Samson's Wi-Fi on his phone went out. Like, that's, that would be horrible, right? But I'm just going to go ahead and say, this, this sucks, getting attacked by a lion. Nobody, I went to Kenya several years ago, and um, we were beautiful country, and we're touring around, and we're at this one lodge, and, and the lodge had like big walls and barbed wire at the top, which should have been a signal to me. I wasn't used to anything like that, and so my God was like, what are you going to do in the morning, Mr. Noble? And I said, well, I think I'm going to go for a run. He said, that is not wise. <laughs> I was like, well, I know I'm not all that, but like I can go for a run. I can go out and just knock out five miles, and he goes, it is dangerous outside these walls. I'm danger. I don't know what damn I am. I'm a big guy. I've been in a couple of fights. I know how to handle myself. He goes, I'm not talking about the people. I am talking about the lions. <laughs> and I went, you know what? I'm good right here. I'm going to run around my bed. I'll just kind of do some jumping jacks and all that stuff. I mean, I don't need to. I don't need to. Like lions. 
Now, if I went to Kenya, I'd go I'd totally go for a run. If I took a group of people to Kenya, I'd go for a run, talk to somebody and run with me, because I ain't got to outrun the lion. I just got to outrun you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Pastor's going to kill people. I, I, but, but. <laughs> but can we agree that this is a bad day when a lion attacks? But, but, but watch what happens, because it gets better. Watch this. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. Now, let me pause. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon a person, and then the Holy Spirit could leave a person. In the New Testament, once the Holy Spirit's there, he's there to stay. So once you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. He's there to stay. But in this moment, the Holy Spirit comes powerfully upon Samson. And when you're reading this, you would say, oh, the Holy Spirit came upon Samson. He sang a worship song in the presence of the lion. He prayed for the lion. He rebuked the lion. No, that's not what Samson did. We don't teach about this in children's church because it's a little disturbing. The Bible says, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. What? Like, like you're walking. How's it going, Mom and Dad? Good. We're going to roll down to Timna. There's some vineyards. We could stop in, do a wine tasting. Oh, my God. There's a lion. Get off me! And it just ripped apart. Like, if you're his mom and dad, you're like, you know, I think we're going to start some anger management classes. <laughs> this part disturbed me even more. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat, which is Samson walking around ripping up goats for just no reason at all. He's got some friends doing goat yoga, and he's like, oh, no, we ain't having any of this. Nah, let's get all the goats out of here. But, but the Holy Spirit... The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon Samson and is so powerful, he rips a lion apart with his bare hands. And I'm sitting there looking at this going, okay, God, I'm just super thankful about the whole story. How does this apply? Like, are we supposed to go to the Greenville Zoo today? I don't know what the lion's name is over there. Maybe Jojo. Hey, Jojo. Jojo, get, get your butt out here. Look, I, got, I got something for you today, Jojo. Like, I, I'm not sure... That's what that means. And, and then, I, then I remembered then I remember something. I remember Peter wrote something about a lion. In 1 Peter, he said, he said, stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he's trying, the lion's trying to devour. The lion's trying to devour. The lion's trying to devour. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon Samson, and he ripped the lion apart. So if we have the Holy Spirit living in us today, we can rip apart any work that the enemy is trying to do in our life so we can rip we can rip apart depression and we can rip apart anxiety and we can rip apart fear and we can rip apart worry and we can rip apart loneliness not because we're so strong but because the holy spirit of the living god lives inside of us and no weapon formed against us will prosper that's what we can do that i love i love paul when he's writing to the church in rome he said the spirit of god who raised jesus from the dead lives in you. That's, that's strong. That the Holy Spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead, if you're a believer, lives inside of you. You know what that means? Nothing's impossible. It doesn't mean that we won't go through tough times. It means that we can go through tough times and come out stronger on the other side. Power. We have power. Now, the, the third thing in, in, that we see in this text is gifting. 
gifting. So the Holy Spirit gives every single believer at least one spiritual gift. There's 120 people in the room on the day of Pentecost. And Acts chapter 2 verse 3 says, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Can you imagine that? Tongues of fire. Now, the Bible says each of them. True, yes or no? Yes. That means men and women. Old and young. All were gifted. No distinctions were made. This is, this is so strong. By the way, by the way, I just want to point this out. I'm going to say this and I'm going to move on. The two metaphors given for the Holy Spirit in the, in the book of Acts are wind and fire. Wind and fire. What happens when you get wind and fire together? You can't control it. So I'm very skeptical of people who claim they control the Holy Spirit when God didn't give us the Holy Spirit as a pet, but rather a provider to help us through anything that life throws our way. Now, that's just a statement. If you don't agree with it, Cole.Farlow <laughs> and MySecondChanceChurch.com would love to engage you in an argument this week. <laughs> I, I told him I was going to do that. He's like, man, don't do that. I was like, no, nah, you're in now. Now, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 that a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. You have a spiritual gift. Now, in the church world, we said for years, if you can't preach, teach, or sing, that you're not gifted. But you know some of the most gifted people, nobody ever sees what they do? Now, if you're truly gifted, you don't have to tell people you're gifted. For example, LeBron James. Does he have to tell people he's gifted at basketball? No, you give him a basketball. He plays. And when he plays, he shows you he's gifted. He's not as good as Jordan. But he's all right. I mean, if we had a church team, I'd pick him up. <laughs> Somebody asked me, would Second Chance ever have an athlete? Like, well, you think y'all ever do church basketball? I was like, there's no way. He said, you don't think you'd be good? I was like, that's not what I'm worried about. But I've read the church lead conduct code. The staff doesn't even qualify to play. I mean, there's no way our PS, but, but you know what? We would win. <laughs> Might have to cut somebody, but we'd win. <laughs> now, for years, for years, people have been talking about, oh, how do you know what your spiritual gift is? There's all kinds of tests out there. You can go online. You can take tests and assessments and everything. I'm going to make it simple. I've taught this for years. If you ever heard me teach on spiritual gifts, this is how you can know what your spiritual gift is. You ask yourself two questions. What do I do well and what do I enjoy? I've met so many Christians that go, oh, my gosh, when I do that, I get so much joy, it can't be God's will. Huh? No, 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 I'm supposed to suffer. We're supposed to suffer in this world. I need to suffer for Jesus. I'm sorry, but Jesus suffered on the cross so that we don't have to suffer. So if you're suffering, it shouldn't be because you're trying to get some brownie points with God because I think one of the greatest testimonies that we can have for Jesus is living an abundant life, living fully alive. So when somebody sees our life, they're like, I want some of that right there, not... I'm miserable, and I hate my life, and I hate everything. And if you just accepted Jesus, you could be like me. 
no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> now, you gotta, it's got to be yes to both of these questions. Like, what do I do well? Because some people do some things well that you don't enjoy. True? Like, like, you, you, like I wanted to be an accountant at one time. Can you believe that? Can you imagine me doing your taxes? <laughs> I couldn't even find them. How to do all my taxes? Man, I think it was good. I, I do math well. I really do. I'm really good with numbers. But when you throw letters in there, they called it algebra. I said, where'd this come from? They said, Egypt. Like, well, they hadn't been a major world power in 2,000 years. Why are we doing anything they say? My apologies to everybody who just got offended on behalf of the Egyptians. You got to say stuff like that, right? My apologies to PETA about the lion getting ripped apart. I didn't do it. The spirit of the living God did it. Take it up with him. I'm, I'm not good. I, I, I did it well, but I didn't. I worked with kids. I was a children's pastor. I did, it, I did it well. I didn't enjoy it. Some people, if you do it well, but you don't enjoy it, well, then you probably shouldn't do it. Other people enjoy some things, but you don't do it well. <laughs> I was at a church one time, and uh, I was just visiting. I was real young. I was a young Christian, and a woman got up to sing. Never will forget this. And she said this phrase. God laid this song on my heart this morning, and I wanted to share it with you. And then she started singing. And I literally looked up and said, you laid this on her heart? Because <laughs> that's a joke if you did. She was wearing it out. That song, she was wearing the song out. Couldn't sing. Afterwards, they asked me, and I was young in my faith. I didn't know. They were like, what would you think about the service? I was like, well, the service was good. I said, what would you think about that girl that sang? I was like, oh, that was bad. That was awful. <laughs> and this is what the person said. She's got a great heart. <laughs> and I said, because I didn't know. I said, that's awesome. But I wasn't listening to her heart. <laughs> I was listening to her voice. And it sounded like a cow dying in a hailstorm. <laughs> they never asked me to come back to that church again. Now, I, I know people that enjoy things, but they don't do them well. But we let them do it in the church, and we blame it on the Spirit. Well, I was just Spirit-led. No, it, well, yeah, it, was the, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was a Spirit, but it was not the Holy Spirit, right? Probably hit some spirits in the parking lot before you walked in, which we're glad you're here. But it's, it's got to fall in line with these two Questions, what do I enjoy? What do I do well? I mean, those two things will lead you to understand what your spiritual gift is. And the last thing that I see in this text is enablement. They, they were enabled. They were enabled. Because, watch this, this is fascinating to me. Luke tells us, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, just like Samson, filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone present, everybody, everyone in the room, all 120 believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, just, just real quick, this is a controversial um, passage to some people because the King James Version says speaking in other tongues. And so they talk about speaking in tongues and they say that, that they bring this up. But in, it's very clear in the text that the people that were filled with the Spirit were empowered to speak languages that they did not know. 
This would be equal to me standing on this stage today, and all of a sudden, I just bust out in Spanish. Puedo ir al baño. That's about all I got. Siéntese. Sierra la boca. Like, that, that's all, that, because that's what was said to me. Guten Tag! Like, that's all I got. That's all the German I know, right? The, but it would be equivalent to me speaking in a language. It, it, I would be enabled to do something that I wasn't previously able to do. Now, this has been fun all day. Let me confess something to you. I, like, when it comes to gifting and stuff, there's just some stuff I don't, I don't do well. And I don't, like, if you're ever in the hospital... You don't want me to come see you. It's not my gift. Pastor ought to come to the hospital. Yeah, except when he sucks at hospital visits. The, the last time I went to the hospital and visited somebody, they prayed for me. That's how bad it was because I got nervous. I was like, uh, how, you um, how you doing? I'm in the hospital. <laughs> you going to eat that? Like I didn't, I didn't know. Like I got so upset that literally they prayed for me before I left. I was like, I don't think I did that right. I'm just, I don't, I don't know what to do. But, but there's certain things that the Holy Spirit does that just blows my mind. Enablement. So I have this. I have a condition called situational anxiety, meaning I don't have anxiety all the times. I just get anxious in certain situations. Some of you know exactly what this is like. Um, and, and the thing that brings on my situational anxiety, now you're going to have to let me just talk this out because um, you're not going to believe me at first, um, is the fact that I hate attention. Like I hate it. You want to end a friendship with me? Take me to a restaurant, tell them it's my birthday, and have them come sing. <laughs> the last time that happened, I got up and walked out, got in my car, and left. Well, it's just not cool. Well, you know, no, yo, it wasn't cool at all that they had people come to my table and sing to me. I went to a Mexican restaurant. They wanted me to wear a sombrero and dance in a chair. <laughs> Y'all ain't got enough margaritas in this place to make me. I, I don't know, but like, I don't like, I don't, I don't deal with it. I remember in middle school when they would be like, Mr. Noble, you want to come up and do the book report? Nope. Did you read the book? Mm-hmm. You want to come and stand in front of the class and talk about it? Nope. Perry, you're going you're gonna to get an F. It's good. I'll be a 50-year-old eighth grader. I feel great about it. <laughs> I'll be dominating eighth grade basketball. Get that stuff out of here. <laughs> if I'm standing around, um, and, and, and um, like if I'm standing around in the lobby and I'm talking to somebody, and then somebody comes and stands right next to us, and then another person stands behind them, I, I get so, I, I literally get just so anxious because of, a, I, I, don't, I don't love attention. So, um, somebody asked me recently, they said, uh, when did you stop getting nervous on Sundays when you preach? I said, when did I stop? I'm nervous every Sunday. Like, I, I go pee 742 times before the 830 service. Some of you didn't need to know that. You're like, that's TMI. But, like, I'm, I'm just so nervous. Did somebody snort over here? <laughs> did y'all hear that? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. I just thought it was cute. Everybody's laughing. <laughs> See, you might have situational anxiety, and I'm triggering you right now. I'm, I'm horrible. I'm a, I'm a, you know what? I messed up. I need Jesus. Jesus is alive. There we go. Back on track. So, so I, 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 I'm so nervous. 
And there have been Sundays, I'll be honest with you, I'm like, I don't want to preach, I don't want to preach, I don't want to preach. But, but something, something happens between right there and right here every Sunday. It's by God's grace. It's by God's grace. I don't, love the, I, don't, I don't love the attention. That's why when somebody told me, you know, your church may never get big again, I don't care. I don't care. But something happens between there and here that what you see on Sundays, this isn't me. If you, get, if you get to know me off the stage, like people have said, oh, I bet you're just so fun, and you walk around quoting Bible verses and cracking. No, no, I'm, I'm like, I'll, I'm, sometimes I'm the quietest person in the room. The Holy Spirit enables me to do this. And if he's done it for me, he can do it for anybody. He can absolutely do it for you. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life is bring life and hope and joy and peace in ways that we've never even expected it. And let me show you why. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. What? What festival were they celebrating? Anybody remember the day of Pentecost? The day of Pentecost is the day that they celebrated the law coming down from Mount Sinai to the nation of Israel. Now, we talked about this several weeks ago when Aaron got his first leadership. I mean, Moses said, hey, you drive the car. And Aaron, remember, he built the golden calves, and they had, like, like the drunken parties and the orgies. It just went super bad. Moses comes down, and he says, we got to fix this problem, and what tribe is going to rally around me? And the Levites go, we're in, Moses. We got your back. And this is what happened when the law came down. Moses told them, the Levites, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each of you take your swords and go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other. Kill everyone, even your brothers, friends, and neighbors. The Levites obeyed Moses' command, and about 3,000 people died that day. Now, we would call that a tragedy. Don't miss, if, if something happened in our country that took the lives of 3,000 people in one day, that would, be a, that would be a tragedy. But don't miss the irony. The law came down, and people died. The law came down, and people died. In church world today, I think the reason so many people are dying and dropping out is because all they get is the law and condemnation every single Sunday. And I'm not saying there's not right and wrong, and I'm not saying that there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. I'm just saying the law came down, and 3,000 people died. So on the day of Pentecost, when they're celebrating the law coming down, coincidentally just happened to be the same day that the Spirit came down. And when the Spirit came down, everyone was enabled to preach the gospel in a language where everyone could hear. And after Peter preached his message about salvation by the grace of God, Luke tells us those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000. The law killed 3,000. The Spirit gave life to 3,000. And I want this to be a place that gives life to people that feel like there is no more life, that gives hope to people that feels there is no more hope. That we talk about the Spirit of God and the grace of God because the Bible says 
For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from condemnation. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from our past. Freedom from the things that weigh us down every single week. At the end of the day, God, God wants us to carry blessings out of this place, not burdens. He wants us to know that we can walk through hope, not we have to walk through hell because Jesus already took that work, walk for us. So I don't know what you walked in here today with, but I know that you can walk out a different person, not because of the preaching or not because of the worship, but because of the spirit of the living God. Father, I want to thank you right now in the name of Jesus that your heart for every single person in this room is for your favor to be on us, your face to shine on us, for us to walk in peace, for us to walk in joy, for us to walk in hope. God, to know that you are for us, that you are not against us, and that you love us no matter what. Thank you, Jesus, for the promise of your presence, for the promise of your hope, for the promise of your future. May we sing and may we celebrate with joy in our hearts today.